0: You stand. I got is greater, I got stronger, God you are higher than any other, I got a sealer, awesome in power, I got, I got. And into the darkness you shine. As we rise there's no one like you There's none like you cause I got his great You are higher than any other I got a feeler, awesome in power, our God, our God And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what the
1: Our God is greater and stronger. I do. I do. I'm glad that you're here with us this morning at Northside Baptist Church. Welcome. Uh, if you are some of our home folks, certainly welcome. But uh, if you're one of our guests, uh, maybe it's your first time, second time here with us, we'd love to know who you are, a little bit more about you. You can let us know that by tearing off a little portion of the bulletin this morning. I hope you got one of those. Put your name on there and give us a little, little bit of information. We can know how to minister to you. Place that in the offering plate a little bit later or at the end of the service, hand it to one of the ministers at the door. Uh, But we're glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, Right now, we'll take the opportunity to shake somebody's hand, let them know that you're excited to be in the house of God this morning and that you're excited to see them here as well. Thank you, choir. One of our children would join me up here this morning for our children's sermon. All right. How are we doing today? Good. Good. Come on over this way so you can see. What do I have here? An apple. That's right. Now, I'm going to just get right into this because, well, your parents want to go home before. Well, 30. All right. Let me just cut this open a little bit now. Don't ask if you can have a bite. There's nothing wrong with an apple. I just don't know where all my pocket knife has been. And uh, it's cut open a lot of boxes the last few weeks. So what's inside there? Apple. That's right. All right. The good part, yellow juice. Oh, what is that? What's that? The seed. That's what I'm looking for seed. How many seeds do you think are in this apple? Three? Three? Now, you think there are four? We got three. We got four. Five. five. Let's just cut right through the middle. We can just keep on counting, can't we? All right. Can you hold your hand out? You can. Look at there. You can do that. All right. Let's put these seeds in there. There's how many? See what else we can find. Oh, you all want a seed, huh? Now, let's see. My goodness, these are buried in here deep. Careful. This is a knife, not just a sharpie. There's a seed. So, how many do we have so far? Whoop! That one popped out. That makes four. We're gonna have five. Alright, hold your hand out. What number is that? Five? Alright, look here. Let's put the rest of them right here in Eli's hand. There's six, seven, eight, eight seeds. Oh, there's another one. Nine. We had nine seeds in that apple. Because we can do that, right? We can count to nine. We can cut the open the apple and count. There's nine seeds. Now why don't you just put them back in there so we can clean up there you go but now here's my question here's my question here, put your seed back in here put them back in here you can touch it, that's right so you can count the number of seeds in that apple, right now how many apples are in that seed, do you know see here's the thing when you plant this seed if it's a good seed and it's in good soil and it begins to grow what what comes out of this seed An apple tree. An apple tree grows. And then what comes on to the apple tree after years later? Apples. And what? How many apples will will be produced out of this little seed? We don't don't really know, do we? Yeah, as many as it will grow. But listen, listen. The Word of God, the Bible tells us a lot of times, is like a seed that gets planted. The kingdom of God is like a seed in the garden that gets planted and it grows. Today we're going to study a little bit about how that happened in the book of Acts. But listen, we never know how many apples are in a seed, but God does. We never know. Are you listening? Look at this. Listen to this. Brooklyn, over this way. We never know. Listen. We never know what will come of any good thing we do. Whether we help somebody out, whether we say good morning to them, whether we hold the door for them, whether we clean up after them. If we do something good for somebody else, but we really never know what happens to somebody when we pray for them, when we share the gospel with them, we don't know what changes about their life. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And we may making, can we making cut open an apple and count the seeds, but we don't know what that seed will produce. The seed of telling the gospel. The seed of praying for somebody so we're asked to do that we're asked to plant the seeds of the gospel we're asked to share Jesus with people and we just, we just don't know what God might do if we're just faithful to plant that seed ok let's pray Father just like when we plant seeds in the garden things grow when we plant apple seeds we, we, we hope we get apple trees and, and we get apples Father may we plant the seeds of the gospel and see it grow we don't know how it will take off. God, just help us to be faithful to plant those seeds. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
2: Let's stand once again as the same Lord. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child the theme of my song, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed, redeemed, this child and forever I am. I know I shall see it. my footsteps and gave it me songs in the night redeemed 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 by the blood of the lamb redeemed redeemed is shall and forever I am
1: thank you if you will turn to the book of Acts standing for the reading of God's word book of Acts chapter 9 begin reading in verse 10 Acts nine ten. there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias and the Lord said to him in a vision Ananias here I am Lord he said get up and go to the street called straight the Lord said to him to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul since he is praying there in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him, so he can regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, "I have heard from many people about this man, how how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority here from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name." But the Lord said to him, "Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and the Israelites." I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Ananias left and entered the house. Then he placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Lord, thank you for your words you've given to us and preserved in the Bible. Bless the reading of your word and give us open ears and open hearts to hear a message from you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Most people in here probably, just an assumption, most people probably don't know the name Edward Kimball. Some may know that name, but if you know that name, it's probably that it was, you probably only know it because it's associated with another name. But Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher at a church, Mount Vernon Church, and uh, he, taught, he taught young boys Sunday school. Uh, and he was just a faithful servant there in the Sunday school class. The boys would come in, they'd open up God's Word, and one particular Sunday... He was teaching out of the book of John, and there was a new a new boy who come to class, and he got there a little bit late, and so he, had, he had gave him a copy of God's word and said, "We're we're in the book of John," and he noticed the the boy was fumb, kind of fumbling around, didn't know where the book of John was, and he noticed some of the other boys kind of looked at him, kind of out of the corner of their eye, and so the teacher just said, "Here's my copy," and handed him that book. He said, "You can just you can just use." My Bible—it's already open to the Book of John—and he took the boy's copy and turned the Book of John and continued on with the lesson. Later, that little boy, as he grew up, he said, "I would—I would—I uh, had made a decision right then. I would stand beside someone who would stand beside me." So even that little gesture—he said, "Look, I, I don't want you to be fumbling around all Sunday school lesson. Here, you—you you take this." Even that little gesture meant something. But after several weeks, the little boy. Uh, I guess he wasn't a little boy, he was a teenager, ne- nearly a grown man. He uh, he never really never really asked a whole lot of questions, never really engaged much in Sunday school, had some had some trouble there. But he had a job downtown. He worked with, he, he worked at the local shoe store. So Mr. Kimball decided one day I'm gonna go down there and visit him in the shoe store. And he went down to the shoe store, he said. My, my main purpose was to share the gospel with him, to just, to just tell him about Jesus. And I want to read for you a little bit of his own words, uh, Mr. Kimball, as he went that day to go to the shoe store. It says this, I started downtown to Holton's Shoe Store. When I was nearly there, I began to wonder whether I ought to just, uh, whether I ought to go just in during business hours. And I thought maybe my mission might embarrass the boy that when, I, that when I went away and left, the other clerks might ask who I was and when they learned that I, might taught, that, that I might have taught him and asked if I was trying to make a good boy out of him. While I was pondering all these things, I passed the store without noticing it. Then, when I found I had gone by the door, I determined to make a dash for it and have it over all at once. I found him in the back of the store, wrapping up shoes and paper and putting them on shelves. I went to him and put my hand on his shoulder. And as I leaned over, I placed my foot upon a shoebox. Then I made my plea. I feel that it was as it was really a very weak one. I don't know just the words I used. And he couldn't really tell me either. I simply told him of Christ's love for him and the love Christ wanted in return. That was all there was of it. I think he said afterwards that there were tears in my eyes. It seemed that the young man was just ready for the light and that right then it broke upon him. For there was at once in the back of that shoe store in Boston the future great evangelist Dwight L. Moody gave himself and his life to Christ. You see, you never really know. Most people or a lot of folks have heard of Dwight Moody, the Moody Bible Institute and His impact upon really upon our country but most people don't know mr. Edward Kimball at least we don't know much about him apart from he shared the gospel with Dwight L Moody and Dwight Moody gave his life to Christ that's what we know most about him and today's story is a little bit like that as we study Ananias we don't know much about Ananias apart from the fact that, well he went to he went to Saul And shared the gospel with Saul. And Saul, who was often called Paul, had a great impact upon all of the Mediterranean region and indeed the the history of the world since that time. But it bears asking, I think, well, who was Ananias? I said, we don't know much about him, but I think we can find out a little bit about him. So, who was he? Well, according to Acts chapter 9, verse 10, first of all, he was a disciple. He was a disciple in Damascus. And now I have a question, and I don't know that it's fully answered. So was he a disciple in Jerusalem that left under the persecution that took place there? Or was he somebody that had lived his whole life in Damascus, perhaps? And because of the persecution in Jerusalem, some of those Christians fled and he became a convert there. I don't really know. I don't know that it's really important, but I was just kind of curious. Is, is is he someone who heard the gospel in Jerusalem and so he would even have a greater understanding of who Saul is because of because of his understanding having been in Jerusalem or was he someone in Damascus that just came to faith in Jesus a little bit later I'm not really sure but first of all he was a disciple the second thing it says the Lord said to him in a vision Ananias and he responded here I am Lord we know that he was sensitive to the voice of God he was sensitive to the voice of God he He understood when God spoke, and he answered. That's about all we get from him from this this passage. But, again, we look in other parts of the book of Acts, and we see Saul retelling his story in chapter 22 in Acts. You can turn there if you like. In chapter 22 in Acts, we get verse 12 and 13. We get a little bit more insight into Ananias. Verses 12 and 13 say this, Someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good reputation with all the Jews residing there, came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. So he's a devout man according to the law. Well, what can we say about Ananias because of that? Well, he was devoted to the word of God. He was a disciple. He was sensitive to the voice of God. And what we have here, he was devoted to the word of God. But it also says that he had a good reputation with all the Jews residing there. So I believe also we can say that he was a witness according to the will of God. He was devoted to the word of God. He was sensitive to the voice of God. And he was committed as a witness according to the will of God. He was a godly man. He was a faithful servant. There's not much else that we know about him. It says that he has a good reputation with all the Jews residing there. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver or gold. It's a great verse for us. just a great proverb for our own lives. A great name, a good name, is to be more desired than great wealth. It seems that Ananias had a good name. He was well received by the people of Damascus. It says even the Jews. Now that's intriguing to me. Because it doesn't say to the other brothers that are in Damascus. It says to the Jews. Ananias would appear to be a Jew, a Hebrew by birth, but a convert to Christianity. Is he, does he have a good reputation with those who are still following the ways of Abraham, those who are still following the law of Moses and the prophets? Is he, does he have a good reputation among those who are still consider themselves Jews, Or does he have a good reputation among those who are also now believers in Jesus Christ? It doesn't call them brothers. It says he has a good reputation among the Jews. It sounds like he just has a good reputation, probably lives a life of integrity, probably extends forgiveness and grace and mercy to the people in Damascus. But whatever it is, he has a good reputation. He has a good name in the city. In summary, I think we could say Ananias... Well, he was just kind of an average Joe or Joseph. I don't, I don't know. But he was just an average Joe. A decent, hardworking man who feared God, treated his neighbor well. Other than that, he wasn't very remarkable or noteworthy. We don't have anything else about him. He's almost, he's almost just a little blip on the radar. If you ask someone, Hey, let's just list off some characters from God's Word, from the Bible. Or if you have a costume party where you dress up like a character from, from the Bible. Not many people dress up like Ananias. I don't know that I've ever seen a costume for Ananias. I've seen Moses and King David, maybe some of the maybe some of the apostles, but I I've never seen someone dress up like Ananias. Or that's not the first person that comes to mind when we start listing off characters from from the Bible. He was just your average, average Joe. But what was he to do? What was Ananias' task with doing? Let's look at verses 11 and 12. Essentially, he was to get up and go. God called him, get up, go. Go to this house. There's a man there I want you to talk to. And sometimes, at least it is for me, that's the hardest thing to do is to take that first step. The hardest thing to do is to just start. But I want you to think about your own life. Think about the different journeys you've been on and think about those first steps. If you're married, think about that first time that you called that person or the first time you asked her out on a date or however, however your, your marriage began. Think about that first step. And I hope you would agree with me it was, has been worthwhile. <laughs> if you've changed jobs in the middle of your career, if you've decided as an adult to go back to school, Think about how difficult it is to take that first step, to take that first step to pick, to pick up the phone call or to do a little bit of research and, and submit your application. It's difficult. But those journeys, oftentimes, especially if they're led by the Lord, are always worthwhile. But sometimes it's hard to take that first step. We see that here in this passage. So I believe the Lord gives him three comforts right here. Three comforts in verse uh, in verses 11 and 12. First of all, he says, go to this man. He's praying. He's praying. That's the first comfort. One commentator said, the very same mouth, which had been breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, was now breathing out praises and prayers to God. The raging lion has been changed into a bleeding lamb. So there's a comfort there, Ananias. He's praying. Go to him. He's not arresting folks. Go to him. He's not sending out murderous threats against folks. Go to him. He's praying. The second thing, not only is he praying, he's seeing a vision of a man named Ananias. <laughs> Your name is Ananias. He's seen a vision of a man named Ananias coming to him. You need to go. And thirdly, and this one is a little bit obscure, he's blind he's been humbled and he's vulnerable and he's open you see he has a need whenever we have a need it creates within us humility or it should this same man Saul would later talk about how he prayed so often for God to remove a thorn from his side but that God left that there because it created a sense of humility and dependence upon the Lord See, in his blindness, he's vulnerable. But what I see from this all is the Lord so often works from both ends. Works on both sides of the equation. He's he's calling Ananias to be faithful and he's prepared Paul, prepared Saul to hear a word. And he's working on both ends. I remember whenever uh, Lindsay and I moved to, well, we, we took our kids to, we moved to Marietta and we were looking for a home to rent, uh, but at the same time, Michael was headed into kindergarten, and so we needed a place to send him to school. And we didn't know, you know, we were just looking for for a good school. We were looking at the school systems, we we're looking at the school districts, and Lindsay had done some research. And uh, so, anyway, as we're as we're looking for a home that particular day, we're driving around looking at homes to rent. One of the one of the things uh, we we got. We'd already looked at a couple, and it wasn't just right, so we, we pulled over in a parking lot. We're going to pull up some listings on our phone, and not really paying any attention where we had pulled into, we, but we pulled in this parking lot and then looked around, and there was a sign that said East Cobb Christian School. And Lindsay said, this is one of the ones that I looked at online. This is one of the schools I've been looking at for, for Micah. And uh, she said, but this is July. Um, I, I, bet they're, I bet they're full. Well, why don't we just check it out? So she walked in, and as you would have it, or as the Lord would have it, they had an opening just that day. And so we filled out the application, and, and Michael went, went to school there. Now, I share that story just to say that God, I mean, we didn't determine to to pull in that parking lot. I feel like the Lord led us to that parking lot. But at the same time, God had prepared the school to have my oldest youngin'. They didn't even know what they were getting into. But God so often works on both ends of things. If he's working on your heart, trust that he's working on the other end of whatever he's calling you to as well. Sometimes on mission trips, we think that we just come sailing in as Americans on a great white horse. And uh, the truth is, God is oftentimes at work there long before we get there. And what we do is we just join him on mission at a place that's already being prepared. And if we are wise in our prayers as we go on a mission trip, we pray not only for ourselves, but we pray for the hearts of those that we're encountering, that God is going ahead and preparing them as well. Well, let's keep going because there's a little conversation that takes place here with Ananias and, and the Lord. The conversation, uh, Ananias' response, he basically says, but Lord, he's mean. He's mean. And he might hurt me or arrest me. And you know, my life is pretty good right here where I am. I could get into some serious trouble. What I'm doing is essentially turning myself in to the police, to the authorities. But you see, Ananias does go forward. I believe Ananias has great courage. I won't say he's fearless because I think that those two things are incompatible with each other. To be fearless is not the same thing to have courage. In fact, courage is precipitated by the, the idea that we have fear. If, if I don't fear anything, I don't. it doesn't take courage to, to do it. But if there is a sense of fear, Courage comes when I, see, when I have fear, but I move forward anyway. Courage isn't the absence of fear. In fact, it is, like I said, precipitated with the idea that there is fear, but it's moving forward anyway in spite of the fear. And so I see Ananias as someone of great courage. So listen, following the Lord's call, following the Lord's call when your life can be scary, do it anyway. Praying out loud sometimes in a Sunday school class or in a group setting can make you nervous. Do it anyway. Sharing the gospel can be intimidating. Do it anyway. Walking the aisle right here to join the church or to say that you need to be baptized can be a daunting task. But if God's calling you, do it anyway. The reasons that these things that I've just listed are so terrifying is because oftentimes we're dealing with eternity and we're dealing with life and death. I'm not going to tell you sharing the gospel doesn't cause a sense of nervousness or uh, a little bit of apprehension from time to time. It can be downright intimidating. But realize that there's someone fighting against you doesn't want you to share the gospel. There's someone who doesn't want you to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, and he's fighting against you to make you intimidated, to make you feel nervous. But we do it anyway because we're dealing with life and death. We're dealing with eternity. That's what's at stake. So that's Ananias' response. How about the Lord's response, verses 15 through 16? It's interesting to me the Lord does not directly answer Ananias if we look at what he didn't say. The Lord did not say you know what, I know he's mean but you'll be fine, just take a few extra guys with you, the Lord didn't say that he doesn't even say (coughs) Ananias you know what, you're right you're right, I'm so sorry I asked you I hadn't really thought about that that wasn't the Lord's response the Lord said (laughs) go yeah, I hear you go go because cause I told you to go. And you've responded, Lord. Do you see that? When the Lord speaks, those who call him Lord do what the Lord says. Otherwise, he's not Lord. God said to go. He says that Saul is my chosen instrument. My chosen instrument, or maybe your version says a chosen vessel. But a chosen instrument, I know it has two... There's, there's, there's just a couple of things we can say about a chosen instrument Think about, think about your, your favorite horn I played the trombone for a little while I hadn't played in a long time, so don't ask me to play again But I played the trombone I know a chosen instrument, well, it, it has a purpose It has a purpose Saul has a purpose here Saul's purpose is to take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites A chosen instrument has a purpose Also, a chosen instrument needs to be finely tuned or either it doesn't sound well and it doesn't fulfill its purpose. A chosen instrument needs to be finely tuned. I always chuckled whenever the band would warm up and then and then, all the parents out there would clap for them. Like all, they, all we did was warm up. Um, but it needs to be finely tuned. Saul would need to suffer for my name. That's what, uh, that's what the Lord said. He'll need to suffer for my name. I'll show him all that he needs to suffer. We, we later find out that Saul spent three years uh, in the deserts of Arabia I don't know exactly all what transpired there But it very well might be that the God that, that God used that moment To pour into the life of Saul if, if you think of the analogy of the other Apostles who walked with Jesus for three years It certainly seems like It certainly seems like that, that, that the Lord Spent some time with Saul In training him in all the ways that, that, that he should go But not only that In the book of James we read About what it means to suffer james and i always find it intriguing when i read the book of james to think this was the brother of jesus he says this in uh, chapter one considered a great joy my brothers whenever you experience various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete lacking nothing If you know the rest of the story of Paul, you know that he certainly would need endurance because he would undergo a great deal of testing and a great deal of trials. He would be shipwrecked. He would be beaten. He would be bitten by a snake, the kind with venom. He would would be chased out of town. He would be stoned and left for dead. But he kept on going. He would need to endure for the name of Jesus. Saul's conversion then verse 17 through 19. you see that Ananias placed his hands upon Saul he called him brother Saul, said that the Lord appeared to you Lord Jesus appeared to you and I'm here. As you keep going it says that the scales fell from his eyes and was baptized and he took some food. so he'd been blinded for three days. Probably hadn't eaten for three days. wonder what he was doing. Well, we know he was praying. We read that earlier. Was he fasting for three days? Because now he's taking some food, regained his strength. I think he was fasting. And I wonder if he had had that song we sang earlier, When Death Was Arrested, My Life Began. I wonder if he had been singing that song. Because when you think about it, we said earlier that the Lord Jesus it was like he captured Saul on the road to Damascus and he's been arrested. The one who carried the threat of death with him was arrested so he could no longer carry it out in the town of Damascus. It, it really does seem, this, this picture, that death, Saul was arrested and now his life really begins. His life really begins. Verse 19 through 20, Saul now belonged to the very group that he had been trying to destroy and don't miss this don't miss this because who knows better how to reach the Jews than the former fanatical Pharisee if Pharisee started with an F that would be an alliteration and I would really be a Southern Baptist preacher but who knows better how to reach the Jews than the former fanatical Pharisee but he, he teaches them something a very crucial teaching and it's simply this, it summarizes for us that Jesus is the Son of God. That's his teaching. That's what he's proclaiming inside the synagogues. And it's essentially Peter's confession. If you remember when the apostles were there with Jesus and he asked them, Who do men say that I am? And there were a various, there were various number of answers. And he says, But who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, That's the confession, and on that I will build my church i give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven not even the gates of hell will prevail against this that's peter's confession this is this is saul's confession now the one who had been attacking the church now is going into the synagogue proclaiming jesus is the son of god what changed about him he had a personal encounter with jesus the son of god and then it goes on to say that verse 21 All who heard him were astounded. He said, isn't this the man who in Jerusalem was destroying those who called on his name and then came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? But Saul grew more capable and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that this one is the Messiah. Look at there, verse 21. Saul's purpose. Didn't he come here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? God changed his purpose. God gave him purpose because what we had read earlier is he's my chosen instrument and his purpose will now be to go to the Gentiles the kings and the Jews and proclaim Jesus is the son of God that's his purpose his purpose has changed because he met the one who gives purpose before he had been living out of his own purpose to go and arrest the Christians and to to take care of those who followed the way. But God changed his purpose. And so we have really a picture right here of two different people, Ananias in virtual obscurity, an obscure servant, and we have Saul who would quickly become a world-famous evangelist. And I'm reminded of just a couple of things here. First of all, it's the obscurity of most saints. How many biblical characters? If I gave you, if I gave you an hour, how many biblical characters, or or Christians that aren't listed in in, in the Bible, but just just Christians throughout history, could you write down and, and name? Think of the, some of our Old Testament people who are who are faithful who are considered faithful and, and true and our new testament folks who are Christians think of the different think of the different popes throughout history maybe you you you've come across some some popes especially in the early early years of the of the church different evangelists like Dwight Moody that I shared earlier various missionaries that you know maybe it's just personal folks that, that you've met If you were to take an hour and list all those names, you know, I believe that you wouldn't even come up with 1% of the folks that's found in Revelation 7-9. John says, After this I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. See, most of God's saints, most Christians are relatively obscure just like most people in history. But they're heroes nonetheless. If they've shared the gospel, if they are faithful to God's call, they are heroes. Just like you and me. We may live our whole life in relative obscurity as far as the entire world is concerned. We may not ever have a city named after us. But we can still be heroes in the kingdom of God we would still be considered greater than John the Baptist because we've been faithful to God's call in our life. Most of God's saints are fairly obscure, but we've got to be okay with that because we follow after God's call in our life. But the second thing is, I don't want to be too presumptuous here. Maybe there is someone here today who is a chosen instrument who, if a hundred years from now people are retelling the revival that took place beginning in Noonan, Georgia, they're going to name your name as one who began that revival. I don't know. Are you a chosen instrument? Has God called you? Has God called you to saving faith in Jesus Christ? Has he called out your name and said, I want you to be my son or daughter? Jesus Christ, my son, has died for you in your place you don't have to taste death you can have eternal life if you'll just repent of your sin and trust and follow me as God called you out of darkness into light and if you are a Christian you have a purpose you have a purpose if you're a Christian and you can breathe right now you can hear me you have a purpose 1 Corinthians 9 16. This is the same guy that we're talking about, Saul, who's writing a letter to a church he planted in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 9, 16. He says this, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. That was a verse that I skimmed over a lot of times. Until I heard Dr. Calvin Miller talk about that verse of Scripture. He said that as as he was a professor in seminary, he would tell his students, You have to come to a place in your life where you have a, a woe moment. You have a woe moment where you say, Woe unto me if I do not, and then fill in the blank. What has God called you? What is your woe moment? For Paul, it was woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. That was was his calling. Now, a little caveat, we're all called to carry out the gospel. I get that. But Paul was especially an evangelist. But maybe it's something a little smaller than traveling all over the Mediterranean carrying the gospel. Maybe for you, it's woe unto me if I do not share the gospel with now filling the woe unto me if I do not what is God calling you to do do you have that woe moment are you a chosen instrument of the Lord in today's passage we see we see Saul last week we looked at him and he was carrying out murderous threats against the church seeking to destroy all those who were part of the way. But Jesus met him at the right time in his life. He had been preparing him, maybe pushing him with a goad, poking him, trying to push him towards saving faith in Jesus. And at the same time, he's prepared Ananias now, someone that we don't know much about, but someone who was faithful to go. To go to Saul, to pray over him, but I believe the greatest thing Saul—that excuse the greatest thing Ananias has done for him—wasn't just to lay his hands on him and pray for him to rec- to receive sight and the Holy Spirit. I believe it was a confirmation to all of the others there. No, this man has changed, and he welcomes him into the church. Ananias calls him brother. I assume it was Ananias who prepared food for him. But he welcomes him into the fellowship. He welcomes him into the church. What we'll see, what we'll see if you continue reading, is that not everyone welcomed him so quickly. Not everyone welcomed him so quickly. But Ananias was faithful and welcomed Saul into the church, prayed for him. And the rest of the book of Acts really begins, really begins to to come alive with the story of the Apostle Paul let's pray Father I want to thank you for again for your word for the opportunity to open up your word for the Holy Spirit to illumine your word to us God uh, most of us most of us will be like Ananias we live in relative obscurity from the rest of the world those who know us or the ones that are close to us. Yet, Lord, I pray that we really are like Ananias, not just that we are obscure, that we're not very famous, but I pray that we would be more like Ananias and that we're faithful to whatever you call us to. If you call us to something that that may be a little dangerous, if you call us to something that's a little uncomfortable, If you call us to something that's a little scary or intimidating, it's not a surprise to you that it's intimidating or scary or or, or anything. It's not a surprise to you that we might need to depend upon you to carry out whatever it is you've called us to. So, Father, give us the courage to go forward and face those fears. Lord, also, we, we all are chosen instruments. Because you've given us a purpose you've given each and every one of us a purpose and I pray that we seek after that and find that purpose And we understand our spiritual gifts and how you've given those to us through the Holy Spirit that we would serve your church out of those gifts and there find our purpose so Father however it is that you're speaking to us now may we listen and may we respond in an appropriate way As you guide and lead, may we simply and humbly follow you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you would please stand. We're going to sing. And I don't know if the Lord's worked on your heart this morning or if there's something you need to, that you've been wrestling with, but uh, spend some time with with your Creator. Spend some time with your Lord. Whether it's right there in your chair, whether you want to come and talk to me or, or pray at the altar, it's open as well. However God leads, you listen and respond.
2: I learned. Then I trembled at the law I spurned, till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. Bear my burden so far.
1: Of God, this morning, and yeah. Listen, uh, pay attention to your to your bulletin. If if you see there in your bulletin, uh, and those of you that have them handy, you can go ahead and look at it with me. But you'll see there's the, about our, our deacon nominations, and so this this is the list that uh, unless unless some of these gentlemen call uh, this week, um, this will be the list will be presented to you next week. Will be a sample ballot, and then we'll be having our election the the following week. And so begin praying about that if you have. Been already, and praying for who uh, God is leading to be uh, part of our our deacon body uh, this, this next coming year. Uh, so, so make sure you, that you do that. Um, and then tonight we'll be watching a movie together over in the fellowship hall. If you've not seen this movie, which one of the reasons I chose it is because I thought it wasn't one of the more popular movies. we'd Love for you to come. It's a great. It's, it has a great message, um, and would love for you. Hey, the one of the main guys. It was was the captain of the love boat. So just just come, you know. Uh, But come and and invite somebody to come, and we'll have some popcorn and perhaps some other snacks and that kind of thing. But come, we'll be in the fellowship hall at 6 o'clock, and we'll watch that movie together. Uh, There are some other things. Make sure that you pay attention to those.